Hello, everyone. Welcome to the episode four of the five days of Tech Hanukkah. Steve and I recorded five episodes at IMTS, and we just wanted to share a little of the holiday, holiday spirit. Please enjoy. I am the director of uh, Weird Science, and I'm here with the AMT Tech Trends podcast. I'm here with Steve. Steve, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Ben. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Steve, we've been doing a lot of booth interviews. We have. We've face plastered all over the place. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> it's quite unfortunate that uh, you get to see that. Tell me about your experience. I've had a lot of fun with these. It feels so great to be back doing booth interviews again. I haven't done them since 2016. Uh, Michelle put me on hiatus in 2018 because she didn't like that I had long hair and no beard, so I looked like Rosie O'Donnell, and they weren't having that. Um, you did have a ponytail for a while. Yeah, it, a while. it wasn't 2022 yet, so you know, <laughs> I, I got a had to had to chop all that stuff off, and now I'm on camera again. So, but it feels great, you know. My first Bert, uh, booth interview Wednesday. Sure. I don't remember. It, it, it has been a week. It was, but it went great. It was a one take. Yep. And I thought I could nail three one takes in a row, but uh, sadly, the one <laughs> right in the middle. There was three booth interviews. The first and the last were one takes, and the one in the middle, I, I screwed up the outro. That's right. Well. It happens. Uh, yeah. So what I like about the booth interviews is most of these uh, people who are interviewing have the same level of nerves that I do, yeah. which is completely nervous. <laughs> Once you stuff a camera in front of me, like. I can't control myself. I right. don't know what I'm doing. Right. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like my interviewees yeah. uh, handled themselves really well, um, with, with, with one exception. I won't go into it, but it was really fun. It was, <laughs> it, it was cute watching them, this person, direct their people around. So it was like, this person's only acting like this because they're a little bit concerned, but you know. And it's funny because uh, we're there mainly for the interviews and we'll choose a B-roll, but it's a super hot and fast relationship. We introduce yes. each other. We You're say like hi. best friends for We're five minutes. Standing awkwardly close. And then it's like, these guys are going to shoot B-roll. Bye. See, <laughs> <laughs> so I got some, uh, a couple of interesting articles I want to talk about. Automation's huge uh, going on. It's sprinkled throughout the event, which I love to see. A lot of use cases going on. Uh, HBR did a really good uh, research a while ago, uh, mainly skewed toward warehouse workers, but it's talking about automation in general. There's a couple of key takeaways I want to highlight here. Uh, so the research on, that HBR talked about is uh, how do warehouse workers feel about automation? Um, they interviewed a, a broad spectrum of uh, uh, factory workers across the world. And that's a key caveat, is they're covering factories across the world. So it's not just the US. Um, and it goes over a couple of key areas that they're very concerned about. So the first one that they talk about, uh, that the uh, shop staff talks about, is inadequate training. So 35% of all the negative responses was revolving around inadequate training. And they were concerned about um, uh, being able to be effective in the new digital frontier. Right. So they weren't concerned about the robots just yet or the automation. They're concerned about how to keep pace with the new frontier that they're faced with. Now, that was a very interesting takeaway. Um, and the second one was um, related to, uh, and back to related to training, but uh, keeping the uh, equipment running. So they're concerned about um, reliability of the equipment, which is right. fair. Everything, there's always a paper jam somewhere, right? right? But they were concerned about, if there's a paper jam, do I have the skills to fix that paper jam? Uh, and they were, those are two very big concerns that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I, um, I think, I, I, I understand 
to a degree what they're what they mean when they talk about the training. Right. Because looking back, you know, 2020 and 2018, um, when it came to automation, you know, the new hotness was collaborative robots. Yeah. And the focus, the purpose of a collaborative robot was so humans can work safely around a robot. Yep. And it's 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 a great there's good intention, but what we really needed and what we're seeing here now, uh, at, especially at the show in 2022, is it's not what we want. We want the robots to work safely around us. Right. Um, and, it, you know, I, I, I talked about it yesterday that I used to love going into exhibitors booths at like Fabtech and IMTS, of course. Um, to shove uh, cobots out of the way, yep. and then the the person operating them would have to, you know, clear the collision detected, <laughs> uh, restart the uh, the program, and then hit cycle start to get the right. robot booted up again. Um, that shouldn't happen. That's right. annoying. Like like if somebody in an Amazon warehouse, for example, is yeah. speeding around like you know like Michael Schumacher in their <laughs> forklift, um, and they cut off an AMR. The AMR shouldn't stop there and wait to be reset right. by like the human operator. It should know when to keep going by yeah. itself. And, and and also it should learn to keep up the pace with the rest <laughs> of the fort. You know, it's it's kind of like how they say um, speed limits in sure. certain areas aren't dictated by the police. Right. The speed limit it, well, in an ideal situation, speed limits are posted based on the average speed of traffic in that area. Okay. So, and then that's an ideal world. Obviously sure. it's not always like that, but if forklift drivers are, you know, taking corners at 15 miles an hour, I, I, I don't know, uh, then the AMR should be able to as sure. well. Yeah. Um, and I do like the, the overall sentiment. So those are the negative things that they had. They just want to be able to keep up and still maintain the machines that are around them. Uh, but they, the, they also get into, there's some negative sentiment towards automation, but they're vastly overcome by the positive sentiment that they have of increasing safety. So a lot of the use cases they talk about is reducing human fatigue, which you know, we've talked on and off about the podcast about uh, automation helps um, you know, save uh, carpal tunnel syndrome, save your back. Right. Um, and also they talk about the benefit to the business. So increasing speed and efficiency and higher quality. So there's a broad spectrum that the automation has both positive and negative sentiment. Yeah, um, and it, I feel like it's it's being overcome uh, day to day, um, but it's still a little bit more work to do on right. making sure that the staff can keep up with the business, uh, keep up with the new technology. By the way, I don't know, I don't remember which booth it was in North, but there is a booth in North where you can play a robot arm in a game of chess, <laughs> and they must not have like seen the news from like uh, about a month or two ago of uh, this child in Russia playing a robot in chess. Yep. And the child moved a chess moved a chess piece and then moved the piece back, which is against the rules. But the robot saw that as the move and yep. finalized it and went to move a piece in the place of where the chess or the child had put the chess their chess piece back and uh, crunch, yep. and uh, that was that was a bit of a fiasco. So anybody uh, who goes up there and tries to play <laughs> a uh, chess in, or a, a robot in chess is, is making a bold move, but you know what? Well, I think you're skipping a lot of information. We also, right? we, we also have much better robots over here, <laughs> yeah. one would think. 
Uh, there's some uh, people that you want to highlight in, uh, in your interactions uh, yes. throughout this trip. Yes, it's easy to get wrapped up in the technology yep. at IMTS. But one of my favorite things about coming to a big trade show like this, and especially having a, a trade show like this after a long hiatus, is the people. Wu-Tang is for the people. <laughs> so I met, a, I met a cool dude yesterday, Mac Cameron, the founder and CEO of Spokebee. Okay. Um, Mac, apparently, he uh, is an adjunct professor and teaches students at MIT how to use CAD software. Nice. But his um, new project, Spokebee, is a, also a, a great play on words. It's sort of like a re-engineered form of the word bespoke. So uh, if you pick up what they're putting down, they're getting at custom-made parts. And it's a web-based, um, a browser-based retail store where you can pick and choose a CAD design that you like adjust your parameters without having any experience in CAD or any, um, you have any experience in CAD yep. and adjust the parameters that you want of the part that they have there. Like, like if you want like a custom wedding ring sure. or whatever, and you can adjust the material and it shows a live update of what the different prices are. And when you click on the price, it actually gives you an itemized receipt of, of who was the original designer Right. of the CAD file, um, how much the materials cost, how much the is being billed to the, um, the, the job shop that is working on said part, and the small bit that's being taken off the top by Spokebee. Yeah. So it's a really cool website. Uh, I'm going to do a lot more research into them. I do want to keep talking with Mac because yep. he's a great guy. And I, th I think that does highlight a trend that I think manufacturing industry has to catch up a little bit on is a little more fluidity and transparency on the costing. Yes. So yes. being able to just buy something online is still a little difficult. There's a lot more bureaus and a lot more right. services that it's becoming easier, but, but it's like still But the transparency difficult. means so much right. uh, because, you know, I went to dinner last night for Head & Hine. They had uh, a boat cruise dinner, which is awesome. But I went with Chris Downs, um, director of audience engagement at AMT. Yep. And he got us the Uber to go out there. And Uber had the itemized receipt, which is nothing new. But what I thought was really cool, and I don't use Uber. I, you know, they're a sketchy, sketchy company, and I'm not going to support them whatsoever. Um, I like that when he added the tip, apparently the driver got notified that a tip was added, how much the tip was, and the driver was able to like the tip. Oh, that's that, cool. that made, gave me a little bit of hope for Uber momentarily. Then I found out this morning that there was a huge data breach and everybody's <laughs> financials are compromised that had right. anything related to Uber. Thanks. Um, so that's awesome. But yes, transparency is great. <laughs> Should I get into another article right here? Yes. So I've got one on Department of Defense unveils additive manufacturing strategy. So. Um, a little while ago, they released uh, an overall plan to incorporate additive manufacturing into their um, regular operations. So not just in their supply chain. So yeah, we've talked about the F-35 being revamped and sure. incorporating a lot more additive parts as they try and mm -hmm. push more efficiency, push more power. But now they're pushing it to like the front line. So the, uh, the soldier, the operator uh, at the forward operating base can now incorporate uh, repair parts. Yeah. Um, do you remember any of, so this has been going on for probably a little bit of time. Do you remember any interesting uh, parts I, that they've been printing? 
interesting would be a word you could use. <laughs> I, I remember, bef so before, you know, we mentioned, yes, I mentioned yesterday that Optimec was awarded with right. uh, a nice bit of coin for figuring out how to repair the titanium blisks for the F-35. Great project, great use case, yeah. uh, and, and very well done in getting that contract. Um, then there were the, uh, to be nice, less than stellar ones. Exactly. The Army wanted to use additive manufacturing to make a T-handle wrench to adjust the front sight post on the, the FN M240 machine gun yep. and FN M249 squad automatic weapon, which, don't get me wrong, cool <laughs> weapon, cool technology, but uh, a using additive to make a T-handled <laughs> wrench? Yeah, that's, you know, that's interesting. Did you have to use that? <laughs> Maybe some is, sticks is in a rock. Is that really the best technology? Uh, I do like one of the more recent use cases. So they've been experimenting with printing on uh, aircraft carriers on ships. Yeah. So the last use case that I saw, and actually there's a demonstrator here. Of, That's awesome. Uh, being able to print um, replacement parts for drones on an aircraft carrier. So that was a fantastic, uh, very novel use case where you have the ship rocking around all over the place. You've got, um, now they are starting with non-critical parts and it's a drone. Right. So maybe we'll shift to critical parts in the future, but being able to print um, stuff that uh, you, all you need to do is carry raw material. So being able to print at that forward position, I thought was fantastic. So yeah, that's that really very cool. interesting. And I, I'm very interested to see how they're going to continue that. Maybe at some point we'll get into met metallic additive yeah. uh, in, on the base, but very interesting. I, I can't wait. You know, I remember when I started at M uh, AMT, we got, I got a call from a gentleman that was just trying to unload a bunch of military surplus manual lathes from a World War II ship. Yep. And I can't wait to see military surplus 3D printers. Definitely. I'm not going to be alive for it, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's nice to know that it'll eventually happen. Yep. Anyway. Is there a last person you want to highlight before we got to wrap up? Um, well, yeah, I have more, but I think we're actually out of time. We're getting out of time? Yeah. Where can they find more info about us? You can find more info about us by finding us at IMTS 2022 and at amtonline.org slash resources. Like, share, subscribe. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Bye, everyone. You bet.